Hey, this is Rob, and this is episode 70 of the Folly Coffee Podcast. Let's get it brewing. All right. I am here with Marcus, owner of Misfit Coffee. And let me read the list of what Misfit Coffee is. Coffee truck, coffee shop, bar, coffee roaster, nitro cold brew on tap, Doing a little bit of everything in the coffee game. And I feel like every time I see a new post from Misfit, I'm like, how is Marcus doing all of this stuff? Uh, and so I was excited to have you in today. Uh, we've met in passing, but I don't know you real well. I don't know your story, like how you got into the game and like everything that led up to what you're doing. And I'm really fascinated to see how you manage your time and like what a, a normal quote unquote week looks like for you. So welcome uh, to the Folly Coffee Podcast. Well, thank you for having me, Rob. I uh, have been a listener and I'm excited to share a little bit of whatever you want to hear about on uh, on this episode. Absolutely. So let's go all the way back to when coffee starts for that. And you can, or starts for you. And you can decide like what that is. Is it uh, your first great cup of coffee that made you obsessed with it? Or is it the other way around that you fell into coffee in a different way? When does <sighs> coffee become a thing in your life? Yeah. So uh, I've been working for a long time <laughs> since I was like 13. I used to work at A&W. Um, and I kind of got sick of smelling like French fries and working in fast food. So I was, you know, getting a little bit older. I was probably like 15 at the time and looking for a new job. And there was this uh, little bakery, coffee shop, um, restaurant, ice cream parlor, just the weirdest little everything under one roof um, type of place. And uh, I applied there and got the job. And they're like, oh, do you want to be a barista? And I'm like, oh, what's that? And she's like, that's like the people that work with coffee. I was like, oh, cool. I've always wanted to work at Starbucks. Like that seemed like a cool job. So yeah, I'd love to do that. She's like, I think you'd be great at it. So um, I was like 15 and then I started working at this coffee shop or not. I wouldn't even call it a coffee shop, more so a restaurant. Mm-hmm. And they had a drive through window and it was nothing special and just a bunch of moaning syrups and stuff like that. Um, but that was my first time kind of interacting in the service industry um, where I would wait tables and deal with people and kind of relationships. So I got really into that to the point that I kind of enjoyed working more than hanging out with friends and stuff, <laughs> um, which was almost problematic uh, just because I always wanted to work, but I was making money. So that's cool, you know, as a young dude. And then um, got to a point where the owner said, I think that you like coffee more than we care to like care about it. You know, you're like going kind of the extra mile And it was like a word of advice and not a bad thing. And I was like, oh, you know, maybe you're right. Maybe I should focus on this a bit more. So then I'm from Wisconsin near Milwaukee. So then I kind of started looking for other jobs and was like um, 17, 16 and a half, 17 or something. And then started working at a place called Sven's, which uh, unfortunately is no longer now, um, down in Bayview, Milwaukee. And that was kind of the next step to really understanding coffee like all I was doing all day was on bar I didn't have to worry about other things I mean not on bar all day but you know it was just primarily a coffee shop Mm -hmm. um so I had a lot more time to play with drinks and have fun and use a little bit better product and a little bit better machine um take a little bit more creativity that was cool uh (laughs) it was a weird person to work for um sometimes great, sometimes not. Uh, so eventually I got asked by one of our customers who was filming a, a movie 
he's like, hey, do you want to play the role of a barista for this movie? <laughs> and I was like, easy enough, like, been there, done that. Um, so I showed up at this uh, place that I'd been wanting to go to but never could because they closed at 3 and I was always in school. So I took the day off and was at Valentine Coffee Roasters. And that was my first time, like, ever in a coffee roastery or in front of any of that crazy equipment or pour-overs or things like that. Um, and so at I, as I've been, like, growing and caring about coffee and making fun concoctions with Monin syrups, you know, that were probably way too sweet, um, then I saw this whole, like, science view, and they have a cafe and a roastery all in the same building, and I was like, this is incredible. Like, this is where I need to be. So after the f- movie, I, like, went home and wrote up a resume and came back that night at, like, 8 o'clock. Wait, what and, was the movie? <laughs> um, oh, man, I forget the name. Something, uh, something, girlfriend, I I could I could let you know at some point in time. <laughs> okay. And it was, like, the smallest little snippet <laughs> yeah, of yeah, just but- me, like, making a latte behind the counter. You know, it takes three hours to get something like that. It's wild. But um, <laughs> so then I wound up at Valentine or put in a resume, mm. and um, they were a staff of, like, three people at the time. And they're like, eh, we might need help. We might not. We're just about to open our uh, tasting room portion of our thing. And I just kept knocking on that door. And eventually they called me and said, yeah, you got a job. And I worked there for almost two years while I finished up high school and learned so much and did so much. Um, it was a really, really, really great experience. And then left that job to move out here and start Misfit. <laughs> so when you uh, started working at Valentine Coffee Roasters, what was it about that atmosphere or what they were doing that attracted you to them most yeah so they um they had a ton of knowledge and skills and wine and things like that uh that from their background and then you know they just took such a different approach and care and like i'd never seen coffee in that way because before it was just like you get the product you make the drink nobody ever really cared about you know there was no parameters of dialing in or there was really nobody with knowledge in previous places Mm -hmm. um whereas this was a place that i could actually like learn about green coffee roasting coffee packing coffee um making it and then i always referred to it as almost being like a playground for for me as a barista because there was really no rules or limitations and even the way i do things now uh at misfit um isn't how things always happen there sometimes for better sometimes for worse i remember every day we used to uh, let every barista dial in their own way, you know, and, like, there was a good shot and there was, like, a standard, but, like, you had room to tinker. That's not something, like, we try to aim for, like, more consistency, so to speak, right now um, with things until we start going more into single-origin shots just for espresso and whatnot. But it was, yeah, it was just, like, endless opportunities to meet people and interact and, like, really feel in such a small team and environment to really feel important to that operation, too, you know, where... Um, I held, I would definitely say like I held my weight and packaged thousands and thousands of pounds of coffee. <laughs> like they once did the math and they're like, you, no way. Like how, you did not get this many cases of frack packs done. And I was like, yeah, I did. And they're like, that's not even possible. <laughs> like, but the math that our, how fast our machine works, they're like, you literally worked at the same pace as the filling machine. And like I was the Paul like, Paul Bunyan tail. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And like, and then it was cool because they were flexible. And like, so I was working as a barista, but I was also working in production. And like, sometimes if I had something I really wanted to go do, I'd be like, yo, I'm coming in at two in the morning and I'll have these orders ready, you know, and then I'll go to school. (laughs) But like, they're like, all right, as long as the orders are ready. So it was just such a really cool environment, especially as a startup 
type company. And when you went in there and started working and you applied, did you apply only as a barista or did you have the intention of like, I want to learn everything about what you're doing and I want to do everything? I wanted to learn, do anything. I was like, I'll sweep the floors. I don't care. Like, I just want to be in this environment because this is just what I want to be doing. Yeah, it's just so weird. My brother was always like, when did you even start to like coffee? You know, like <laughs> all of a sudden, like there's just like, I found myself randomly on this track of coffee and just kind of getting more and more involved in it. But really it's more so about people um, and like the experiences I've had and connections I've made. And I love coffee. I drink it every day. Um, and I have learned so much and care about it. But I think that's like what has always carried me to really enjoy coffee so to speak yeah and that's that's like a consistent theme i see of a lot of people there's people oh i want to get into this so i must need to take some classes or i must need to like go this training or something to be able to get this job whereas it seems like the people like yourself that just go i'll do anything you want there aren't many businesses out there that if there's a position open and there's someone that goes i'll do anything that they go okay we'll take this person over someone even with more traditional classic training because this person will come in at 2 a.m and package before they go to school and be happy to do it versus someone that's like i am here to pull shots and i am here to frown upon people who don't know how to do that and that, i had a similar experience with coffee that it was like i was a coffee drinker but i never thought of it in that way and when you encounter someone that you're like you care so much about this. It makes me curious because it's like, if you can care this much about this one thing, there must be something to it. And then you start going to the right places and it's, a, as you know, a total rabbit hole. Yep. So you go straight from uh, is Valentine, 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 yeah. Valentine Roasters. Yep. How did you end up here in the Twin Cities to start Misfit? Oh man. Well, originally uh, my plan was to bring it to Atlanta. Um, I had never even known about Minnesota, which is, quite funny because i'm only from wisconsin and like you've i'm really bad with geography and stuff and you could be like where's minnesota but i don't know uh, <laughs> i never went to the mall of america nothing like that but uh one day i was uh in class and i <laughs> was on craigslist like i am most of the time and i found my dream machine which is almost impossible to come across and it was a single group seneso synchro and i was building up my arsenal of equipment and i was like i need this machine called mom i was like mom call me out of school going to the bank. I'm going to Minnesota. Um, and so I ended up driving to Minnesota that morning and uh, wound up at Round Table Coffee, mm -hmm. um, which is just a block down the street from where I live and where I've been for <laughs> years now. And uh, picked up my espresso machine from Sean, which we still have to this day and use. And I've probably fixed, I mean, it was never broken, not saying anything like that, but it's an old machine. It's like <laughs> when I call Seneso about questions, they're like, oh man, like we, that's like one of the first things we built. Um, but so I've replaced most things like, are, on that. Are you a vintage collector? Yeah. What is this? Go, no, this is my, this is my machine. <laughs> yeah. Which is, I mean, I've learned so much just from working on that. But um, so yeah, then I wound up in uh, Minnesota getting that and Never thought a thing about it and was going to go to Atlanta where my brother was living and start Misfit. And then I started to think about or like look into food truck laws. So I was kind of trying to tackle all these things, building out the truck, getting my equipment, figuring out how the hell I'm going to do any of this as, you know, an 18 year old, 17 year old um, uh, with no knowledge on any of that stuff, really. Um, and looking into food truck laws, 
back in 2014, 15, they were really strict. Like uh, in Chicago, you couldn't have food trucks. In Milwaukee, only in like one little part. In Atlanta, you could have a food truck, but you could only park it in one designated parking lot in the entire city. So it's Hmm. like, what's the point? Whereas um, I came to find out that Minnesota had really good systems in place for food trucks and you could just roam around kind of and do your thing. And, and I was like, okay. And then, you know, my, when I came out here, I wanted to use Valentine coffee, still keep that relationship good. I mean, it still is to this day. Granted, we don't still use their coffee because we roast our own now. Um, but shipping that coffee to Atlanta is going to be a lot different than, uh, speedy delivering it to, uh, Minnesota. So that was really helpful to kind of have them help support me and cover the cost of shipping on that coffee to use their product and bring it out to this market. Um, and yeah, I guess it was just about the laws. I came with a, I came and a friend was living out here and I said, Hey, can I come stay with you for a week and hung out for five days or so, checked out the city and said, okay, I guess I'm pulling the trigger and moving. So at what point at Valentine did a business idea had, had this always been something you wanted to do or when was the inception of starting your own business and was it always a coffee truck yeah no uh so i've always been a weird person kid uh with a i guess you could say entrepreneurial spirit so i think it was very clear that um i was gonna do something weird in life um and yeah, I mean, I was in school always doing random projects and selling. I mean, once you're like, oh, sell candy bars. And I sold like $2,000 of candy bars. So like, <laughs> what the hell, man? Like, how'd you do that? Um, hustler. But uh, no, I always knew, the thing was I knew I didn't want to go to college. I just was like, that's not for me. I don't like school. I just never was good at it. So I was like, I want to do something. And uh, I was thought, you know, oh, food truck seems sweet. I used to go down to the south side of Milwaukee all the time with my brother and um, go get the best tacos ever. The south side is very uh, Hispanic neighborhood and it was just like going to a whole new world um, to have that cuisine and be in that culture and I just love sitting on the sidewalk eating tacos, drinking a Mexican Coke and I was like man, we should start a taco truck and bring it to New Berlin, which is where we lived which is like a suburb and then I'm like, we don't know about tacos and we don't care and I don't want to be in my little hometown um and then i was like well what do i know and i was like well coffee and then i started doing research and there really was no craft coffee trucks at the time Mm -hmm. um and they're really still to this day i mean they're growing but i would like to think misfit was kind of one of the first like specialty coffee trucks where you could go and get a chemex and a pour over and an aeropress and we have a seneso and you know we're dialing in shots and like people come with the expectation like oh i'm gonna get a bad cup of coffee and like it was some pretty serious stuff for a 98 square foot box (laughs) and how quick how quickly were you able to get the process up and running in terms of finding uh you have to find now a trailer you have to get the licensing from the state you have to source all the equipment and materials find suppliers for all the different things to be able to serve on a consistent basis how long did that entire process take from when you decided to move here yeah so i guess like when i was like 17 is kind of when i started building the the truck out and stuff and getting pieces of equipment as as I got more paychecks I would buy more things on espresso parts and um I was I'm still to this day avidly always searching online for used stuff so everything in my life is is used pretty much um and I find some good deals and I'd drive all over the state or to different states to go get something you know I went to Indiana to get a didding grinder but it was brand new and it was 200 bucks you know (laughs) like it's just like some of these things that I don't think people know what they have or they somehow acquire 
buy a business and it's there and I'm like, okay. Or just people that are like, I just want to get rid of this thing and it'd be nice to get a little bit of money for it. So, so it took me about, yeah, I mean, we opened August 2nd of 2015 or, yeah, I think, um, it's, I don't know, but it took probably about like a year and a half or two years Mm -hmm. of solid work, but I was, I like was still in high school. So like the truck was, by the time I graduated, um, the truck was done being built out and that's something my dad and I did. So like, and so the uh, truck really was almost just like this side project while you're still going to high school, doing all your normal things. And then this is kind of your like after hours weekend. I would act- say school is the side project. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that is totally fair. Especially like no, know, knowing what you wanted to do and knowing you weren't going to go to college, it probably wasn't a huge priority that it's like, I just need to get through this thing. Yeah, no, it's funny. Uh, it was just my birthday recently and I have this math teacher and I was really bad at math and I, I had her for three years in a row and I was a big pain in her butt. Um, but we became friends <laughs> throughout that course of time. And on my birthday, she, uh, sent a little message and she's like, I never call people out on their birthday, but I just got to bring up this time that I was in the principal's office with Marcus and his mom and the principal was real mad. And she's like, you know, what, what are you doing? Like you have to graduate and, and you can't just be a barista for the rest of your life. And I was like, you don't even know what I'm doing. And she just didn't understand like why work was so important and why I couldn't stay after school to take more math things. And I was like, I was like, no, I'm not going to do that. And it's funny because that teacher just brought that up and she's like, he's doing exactly that. (laughs) (laughs) He's been a barista and then some, so. And while you're planning, so you're still living in Wisconsin, presumably while you're building the truck and building all of these things. When you do launch in August of 2015, how do you decide within the cities where to position the truck, how often to go to different places, where to post up? Because not being from here, how do you decide like these are the key prime locations to set up and when to set up and what to serve? How are you planning all of these things that might be a bit of a disadvantage not being from the Twin Cities initially? Totally, yeah. Um, upon moving out here, I, I had rented a house um, and was traveling back and forth probably about like 13 times in six months, mm. um, kind of getting stuff set up and going back to finish the truck and all sorts of stuff. And I made some food truck friends for sure. I love to talk to people and, you know, ask some questions. However, coffee is quite a bit different than like your lunch rush. Yeah. Granted, they can also be the same, but most people were trying to snag spots in downtown. It's like crazy to try to get a spot down there and also then we just would sit for two hours or you know and wait for the lunch rush because nobody's getting doing anything on the streets until a certain time so it was really actually just random i remember Mm -hmm. like one day we're like where do we go we just like set up and sometimes we were in spots that we weren't allowed to be and we didn't know but we spent a good probably the first year uh just kind of trying out different things um until we found ourselves I had this idea. It's like some food trucks make it really popular by going to different spots all the time. Nashville, um, you know, chicken truck. Yep. They, uh, Nashville coop coop. Yeah. I always say coop. Yeah. So I didn't want to say it on air. Cause like, that's just what I say as a joke. Like, <laughs> I don't even know what I'm going to say. Um, their whole thing is go different places and get a bunch of attention. And that works really well for them. 
I think for coffee though, people kind of want consistency or they like yeah. like something and they want that on their routine every day. Like you got to be there. So it's like oh, that is battle. That, that's of, interesting. Yeah, of thinking like, do we move around or do we try to like stay put so that people can rely on us? Yeah, that's really interesting because coffee really is such a habitual thing that like the the most valuable co- uh, customer for coffee shop is the regular, the person mm. who comes every day for the same order, the same coffee, the same thing they're doing. Whereas a food truck, most of them are like you said. They're going to go to where people are. And, you know, like I just actually had Kamal from Nashville Coop on the podcast. Oh. And it's, it's like a uh, hot chicken sandwich is not a part of my daily routine for, you know, it's delicious. But yeah. I don't think I could sustainably eat that and be OK. But uh, coffee is. And so that that's a really interesting point that in terms of the mobile game, that it is almost not a good strategy to just always seek out where people are because you're not going to develop regulars or people aren't going to know where you're at for sure. And so that your process, what do you find out? Like where are the types of locations that really start working for you? Yeah. Well, I mean, we just kind of hunkered down at gold medal park. Um, it was one of those things that it's like, if we got to go to work every day and we can be at this park, like this is a really beautiful area to be. And you get some tourists from stone arch bridge and also seeing, seeing that part of town, um, and it was a slow, slow start. And like, but you also, you know, and I've learned so much more over the years that you got to just wait things out. Like no matter what you do, it's going to be a slow start. Um, but, you know, we'd show up every day and sometimes $50, sometimes $100 for like seven hours, you know, sitting out there just waiting for something to happen. And um, eventually it, it we gained that consistency and people would stop, you know, and and get a cup of coffee and it was also really good because there was all that parking and there's no food trucks there and so people could just pull up park their car grab their coffee go hang out at the park for lunch whatever so um i'd i mean there are so many people from that neighborhood that i know really appreciated us being there just because it added a another layer of vibrancy to a really pretty part of town that kind of almost seems underused sometimes how, how are you feeling during those initial slow times because it, it 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 is it's easy to say sometimes it's like oh yeah long term you know it's going to be a slow build but in the reality of like I've been in those scenarios where you're at something or you're doing something that you're like uh oh like <laughs> where is everybody or why isn't this working like I thought it was how what is the feeling like as you're setting up at first and having these fifty dollar days these hundred dollar days where you're spending seven eight hours out there yeah I mean at first it wasn't the biggest deal like I think I had a good idea of like what we'd be in for and there was no overhead really so like that's you know having the truck paid off mm. um and not having to pay rent and rent is a parking meter you know um and only buying what we sell at that point in time you know we're not buying 10,000 cups back then or anything we're going to restaurant depot or whatever placing an order for just what we need um so it wasn't like too worrisome and winter was a way bigger worry but uh <laughs> yeah it wasn't too worrisome then and it uh only got more and it was with my brother and my friend Alex um that helped me start it up out here and so like nobody is getting paid um, we were just working for tips for the first year and a half. So there wasn't too much to worry about. Things started to matter more when we brought on staff members, you know, which were still friends of mine, long, long time friends of mine. And But then it became this thing where it's like, okay, we now need to make money. Like we have, because there's so many other costs too. There's insurance, which is through the roof. Um, and then you start to get employees and you got to do payroll. And then you got to add on all these other things. You're like, oh boy, here we go. And now it's like, oh boy, with what we're doing these days. Looking to where you are now, coffee shop, just got your liquor license, really 
good timing for this year, yeah. by the way. But it's been really cool to see how you've been able to use that liquor license to be able to do really cool things. But you've got the bar, you've got the coffee shop, you're now roasting your own coffee. How did you get to where you are now from that one food truck when you first started? What was the time like from that August of 2015 to now we're talking in December of 2020, doing all of these different things within coffee? Were these things that you had planned out that you have this long-term vision of this is what I want to do? Or did these things pop up along the way? Yeah, no. Um, man, there's a quadrillion stories that people don't know about in between all the years. It's like there's a whole coffee shop that we built out that never opened and stuff like so many funny things, but, um, that was all planned. Uh, the one, I mean, I knew I wanted, it was actually like such a sigh of relief. Um, this year when we got the liquor license, because I was like done and by done, I don't mean done obviously, but like plan finally complete. Um, from like back when it was 16 or 17, what I had envisioned I was like, all right, we did it. Um, and then it's like pandemic and then all this crazy stuff, which also has been, you know, like it's a wild time, but I like to see the silver linings and things. And like, I would like to believe that it's, um, benefited me and our company at least, you know, it's, uh, not like in a financial benefit way, but just in, um, in like a work mentality and, and life mentality type of way and, and focal points and stuff and strategies. And, um, it was, I mean, it's testing us all to the max and it's uh it's been an interesting test for sure but yeah uh the one thing that like i always thought it'd be cool to have a coffee roastery i always thought it'd be cool to have a coffee shop like i wanted to have a coffee shop before a coffee truck but like as a 17 year old you're like i can't open a coffee shop like where do i buy chairs you know like (laughs) i don't like what um but i like to uh, build and tinker so like most of the things we've we, we fix our equipment I built out the shop I built out the truck I you know put together a lot of our roastery um, but yeah then I met Hayden and he's our he's a roaster so I don't roast coffee uh, I got to learn how to do that I mean I understand it but I've actually like never really been a coffee roaster mm-hmm. and it was just like I was always and still am balancing so many things that it's like I know what coffee roasting is and I'm not the type of person to sit behind a coffee roaster for eight hours a day doing that. Like I, I have a different energy level. You know all I, about I, I it. I the same yep. thought. I go, there, oh, so you don't roast your own coffee? I'm like, no, I, I can't do it. Like the, the attention span is not there. It's just not possible. And there's so many other things for people to be doing like us in, in business that, you know, some people just work in different capacities at different things. And like, I love doing, um, production work and stuff like that but not not every day and now with this life i've been used to it's like i don't know if i like doing anything every day because it every day is absolutely different right. um it changes so much so you go from the the first uh the first coffee truck yes what is the next step after that what would you say is kind of the next advancement of what misfit coffee did it, to end up where you are today well coffee truck mm-hmm. then it's winter then we need to figure out what we're going to do in winter. Right. Somehow we end up opening a coffee shop in Izzy's Ice Cream for two winters, which was just an absolute experience and insane that that happened. Um, then, How does that come about? Did you approach them? Yeah. I approached like 100 places. And what did you pitch? Oh, man. I still have the letter. It's like <laughs> oh, so bad. Uh, it's like one full document of like, hi, I just moved here. I have this business. I am looking to figure out what we're going to do in winter if you want to help. And I never thought to even ask them because they carried dogwood in their ice cream shop, blah, blah, blah. And um, yeah, I just 
and they're just such a reputable company, Mm -hmm. you know, and for them to open their doors and let me have full access of this, this facility when, you know, they're not open in the morning Mm -hmm. and here's a key, you know, like they don't give out keys to their staff or anything like that. Um, so the trust was there and, and it was just a really, I learned so much from working with that company. Um, and they, like, they didn't have any rules for us, you know, it wasn't like, Oh, this is for us. It was like, this is for you. You do what you need to do. But like watching them manage a business, they, they're very good at what they do. So I was very fortunate to have that experience and that helps, you know, I mean, that's the first time we're filling out more licensing because we're getting inspections, um, and, and doing licensing with the city for indoor stuff, which is way different than the truck world. Then we were back out on the streets. Then I'm like, okay, I found this. this Sounds like you got kicked out. Like you're on the streets. Like, no, on the streets with the truck. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. On the streets with the truck. Summer's here. And then I started, uh, then I found this spot in Northeast and started building it out. Um, and I, you know, in the food truck world, you just put it together. And if you know code or what the food truck is going to be, you're good to go. That's not how it works in uh, retail settings. So I start this whole project and put a bunch of time and money into it. And to find out that the bathroom was not ADA compliant and that that process would be like $40,000 because of how it was all set up under Jeez. staircase and this and that. And then there was just no there was just no way to make it work. So then I, that was a big waste of time and, and money. And then the search really started and I just, I looked at over 150 properties, um, <laughs> just trying to think about like where Misfit was heading, knowing like we always need more. We want to keep it small, but we need more than we think we need because we'll outgrow it so fast. Like if, um, it's just interesting. So then I start looking at all these properties, more so like warehouse facilities. I really just wanted everything to be under one roof, the roastery, the coffee shop, things like that. Um, and nothing ever really looked right or, you know, the build outs just get so expensive and I was trying to do it my way, which is not like with developers and things like that. Um, and then that's when Urban Bean owner reached out and was like, hey, we got this shop on Lindale if uh, if you're interested. And I was like, I do not like Uptown. <laughs> like, I just never was over there. I hate traffic and things like that. And I was like, I'll check it out, though. And after talking and thinking about it, like, I was like, this is an opportunity I can't pass out on. Like, it's already set up, you know, like, plumbing-wise, it's been grandfathered in for so much stuff. Like, it's like, it'd be stupid to not just test this out. And that's how we wound up in on 24th and Lindale. Um, and it's been awesome. And it's, like, such a good community for us, actually. Like, I would have never known. Uh and then as you're looking at that street, so th- this uh, well, I saw you were uh, moving into that space. Was it at all a thought when you think about that entire row of like coffee availability down there that you've got like the Lynn Hall, uh, the Urban Bean, that's now the Wallets. You've got another coffee shop. Bob's, uh, you got Zo- House, Zoe's. You got you got, yeah, exactly. You got. I mean, like in a, in a period of like two miles, maybe like eight or nine coffee places. Was that something that came to your mind as you're looking at that space? Well, of course. I mean. <laughs> I would hope that I'm like, okay, there is, um, quote unquote competition. Um, however, I've never like looked at it as like competitive. And I know that like one thing that mis- like sets Misfit apart is we do things a little bit differently. Yeah. Um, and we offer a little bit different product. I mean, obviously we have your standards, but a lot of times people come for some of our more funky concoctions. Um, and so, yeah, I was just like, you know it was a coffee shop before and it was even before that it was muddy waters the original location yep. and so there's a lot of history there 
but yeah, I was just, you know, there's always going to be competition wherever you go and want to sell a cup of coffee and there's, it's high traffic at all. There will be so many places to get coffee. And as I saw you building it out, I was like, Oh, won't be an issue because this is like, I, I love things where you go, this is not like anything else. Like so it wouldn't matter if you're next door to someone else because you're doing something completely different, whether it is your, your beverage program with like your crazy drinks that like half of them you go, I don't know if I, I don't know if that'll taste good, but I want to try it now yeah. just because like you see it. And then of course, because you're doing it, it's going to be delicious. And like the Nana cold brew is something that always comes to mind of, I swear every summer, it's like all I can see about anybody posting about on Instagram <laughs> and the build out of the way you did it. Um, as you're building it was the fact that it's going to become a bar in mind as you're doing the build out, because that was one thing that struck me is the first time I visited right after you opened was like, Oh, this has the feel and vibe of like a really cool bar. Yeah, yeah, it was. Um, to a certain extent, you know, like I knew we couldn't go full bar build out because that just wouldn't make sense financially or room wise, you know, it's make room when you need it. But like all we kind of built it up so that there would be spaces for kind of like well system spray rinsers down the whole bar. You know, if like anybody that's a barista looks they're like, why do you have spray rinsers down this 16 foot bar? And it's like so that we can make drinks anywhere on the bar. Um, and having there was a plan of how it was going to all be laid out behind the bar. Um, again, to a certain extent, we buy used equipment. So it's not like we're designing everything and purchasing everything brand new and fitting it perfectly. We kind of make it work, drill new holes and things like that. But, uh, yeah, the the plan was that that was going to be a bar, and it took way longer than I thought. It mm. was just so much more of a process than I thought it was going to be um, solely because you need to be a restaurant. So, yeah, we're, like, the only people kind of doing what we're doing um, where our focus is really on beverages. Mm. Um, and now we have food, and it's awesome, and it's really tasty. But we don't have a kitchen. We don't have a hood vent. We have a three-compartment fridge with a flat top on it and then there's a griddle there's a <laughs> yeah there's a panini press and um there was a crepe maker we removed that recently and then there's like one of those tiny little ovens and that's like running our whole food program but you have to be a full restaurant with like a full menu of offerings all day long and it was like where are we gonna find space to do this and what is are we that because the, the licensing for, requires you for to- alcohol yeah oh for alcohol okay, yeah that makes so sense. we didn't have enough space for coffee we didn't have enough space for coffee and booze. We certainly don't have enough space for coffee, booze, and food all to be stored there and and functioning. So, like, luckily our warehouse is down the road, and we're running back and forth all the time. But that was, yeah, To I worked for over a year with the city on getting that license because it was just, like, getting that food program. It was not easy. So what do they define as a food program? You kind of explained your food setup. How was it working with them on this is what we're planning on? Do are we a restaurant now? Because it's such a fine line, especially during COVID. Yeah. Uh, the fine line between like, like I think of Meteor Bar. They start doing hot dogs. Yeah. And I'm like, here you've got Rob Jones, like one of the best mixologists in the cities. And they're doing roller dogs. That yeah. was the first time I was like, this is a weird year. Yeah. What was it like working with the city on creating a, you know, a restaurant? Yeah. I mean- it was it was good and they're helpful um it's there's so much like random language it's all about the language you know like are you cooking your sandwich or are you heating your sandwich (laughs) those are two totally different things and like when you're talking you're like oh i'm gonna cook this and like no you're not i'm like what am i supposed to do and they're like you're gonna heat it and it's just like oh my goodness like you got to be so careful with your words and like when you type it all up they'll come back and they're like this isn't gonna work but you, if you said heating, or or then there's so many examples. And of every like little that. change is another two yeah, weeks that you yeah, hear back. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. So it's just a back and forth, and then it's just like, oh, 
frozen pizza that you heat up doesn't count as an entree. If you make the dough or prep the pizza, it does. And it's just like, oh, my gosh. Like, it's pretty nitpicky um, for the most part, especially because we were trying to get by as as easily as we could, like mm. as little as possible because we don't have the setup to have a deep fryer, to have an oven, to have anything in there. Like we don't have a hood vent. We can't grill meats or anything like that. We can't make uh, – so it was just a – and it was just like how are we going to do this? Where is it going to go? Our building is so old. It's like 110 years old, so we don't have much power. So now when we're working, we have to turn different devices on at different times to use different <laughs> things and turn them off. Otherwise, how'd you, we how'd break you find out. that out? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> just breaking the breakers like nonstop all day long. Luckily, the box is upstairs, um, not too far from where we do our stuff. But it was just like, if yeah, if you have the oven and the panini press on uh, – and you turn on the other side of the panini press, it breaks all the power. If you turn on the crate maker, it breaks all the power. If you like, <laughs> who knows, man. <laughs> if you were to go back and do it over again, what would you have done differently from the start of building out the shop? Because I think everybody that does their like first shop or first big like brick and mortar opening or anything like that, there's always some things that you're like, gosh, I wish I would have known this before starting this whole yeah. process. What would that be for you? Well, I would have taken, I mean, everything that we've done, as you can tell, like we've been at it for five years only, and there's been so many different, we've had three warehouses in those five years. That was you another, know, I, I was going to bring that up. We've, we've uh, and now we're on the final one, which is good, or at least for now. Um, and then the shops and, and then the, the truck and, and like, this has only ever been a staff of maximum nine people to make all of this happen when really there's, there's myself, Hayden and Mariah, the management team that are kind of plugging and chugging lots of hours every day and week um but what would i have done differently well like one thing i i wish if i was just more prepared you know like i would have had more time to think like about putting an outdoor patio there to begin with Mm. that was not just a stupid little concrete thing because that would be that people would have enjoyed that and that would have just been a nice way to start things off in summer um and i oh boy i i don't want to say it because i love where we're at and what we're doing but also part of me just wishes and it's too big of an idea when you're not there yet and you need to get there and like it would never even happen without having the shop but like just to have a big facility and just have it all in the same facility but you can't find that on lindale or or anywhere you know then you got to become a destination Mm -hmm. which i think we have the ability to pull in stuff destination wise with funky things that we like to do but I mean, to have two dishwashers, to have two sinks. We have double everything. I have four espresso machines, you know, like five. I, you know, like I have double grinders, double every piece of equipment we need two of because we have two locations, you know, essentially. Now you're roasting. Yep. And the way I found out about this is you post, I bought a mid-90s Diedrich roaster. Yeah. Is this a part of your Craigslist adventures that you yeah. just had to eBay. <laughs> eBay. Ar- Arkansas. Got that thing shipped without ever knowing what was coming. So you got this mid-90s Diedrich. So at 1995. 1995. IR 7.5. So you are... Sounds like you're always perusing Craigslist, uh, eBay, looking for used equipment, just looking for good deals. At this point, do you have a plan of this is how we're going to roast, this is what we're going to roast, this is where we're going to roast, or was it like no, this roaster is a sick deal? I'm yep, in. And yep, that's the case. That's also Hayden does all the roasting, all the green bean buying, all the profiling. I give him full creative control of that, um, which is awesome. He does a great job. But no, what sucks and where I've made a lot of 
bad business mistakes is putting money into good deals, but then sitting on dusty equipment for two years. So that roaster I had for a year and a half, two years, you know, and out goes $13,000 from the bank account. And, um, and that never recouped any money for that time because it was never functioning because we were in a warehouse that I thought we weren't going to stay in because I didn't like the landlords. So I didn't want to pay to get it installed because that's super expensive. Mm-hmm. <sighs> yeah. so, deep breaths. <laughs> deep breaths. <laughs> so how do you find a warehouse that ultimately you decide you are going to roast in? I'm driving. I'm in a neighborhood and I am uh looking at a property and it was really cool and it was in a part of town i'd never been to and i was like wow how have i never been around here which is in bren mar area um near north near the ims center and the building i was looking at didn't look quite right and as i drove away there was this like uh thing that looked way more misfit where it was just one big cinder block building uh with a garage door and i was like cool that's what i need and i uh (laughs) drove up and there was like a light on inside and I parked my car and I knocked on the door to see if anybody was in there and nobody was. So then I Googled the address and it said that the building like had been listed for sale like a year ago. So mm-hmm. I called the number and it's like, Hey, you guys renting this out or anything? And I saw some pictures of what the inside looked like and it was sweet. And I was like, and they're like, nah, not really. We're thinking about knocking it down. And I was like, Whoa, Whoa, why are you not? Like I'd rent that. And they're like, we're really just not interested in renting. He's like, well, what do you do? It's like, well, I want it to be a coffee roastery. It's like, Oh, we love coffee. Let's talk. Uh, so I met up with these people uh, who are now our investors. Um, and we have... Were you seeking investment when you approached them? No. <laughs> we eventually needed it, though, real bad. Uh, you. Oh, man. I love the way you operate, but it freaks me out, man. <laughs> yeah. That's incredible. So you find you find this building, you walk up, you no one's there. You find the address, you find the person. They end up loving coffee. You're doing coffee. They end up saying, "We want to invest into what you're doing," and that's how you end up in the space you're in now for the warehouse. Yep, and in business still. And how, <laughs> how long? That's also a good point. How long uh, from starting to work out of that warehouse were you able to get the license and everything installed and everything working uh, out of that new warehouse? Uh, that took a little while. Yeah. Um, for sure. There was a lot of work that had to be done to bring it up to code and plumbing. I mean, plumbing, electrical, the way that we needed it for what we're planning to do there. Um, that might become a second location of sorts. Mm. Um, we're working on that right now, actually, hopefully for spring. But yeah, so it took it took a year, a year and a half to get it all all set to where it's at now. What, which what is was it like cool. getting the Diedrich, the 95 Diedrich up and running? Uh, it, it was nerve wracking, man. I was going to say like, cause not, you bought it off. Yeah, eBay, no it was <laughs> nerve wracking. And like, all of a sudden we get it, we had to do a few little things to it, but we like, it was like the moment of truth and we, we turn it on and the pilot, uh, the pilots weren't lighting. And so that was a problem that took like a week to fix. We just had to replace like a little piece. And mm. I was like, okay, now we got it going. And then the drum wasn't spinning. We're like, what? <laughs> and I like, take the back of the machine off and realize that the the chain you know there's there's a chain with a sprocket on top and a sprocket on bottom and that rotates and moves the drum and they're all they're connected but then i like touch the chain and the bottom starts wiggling mm. and there's a pin that the you know that the gear goes on and it was just hanging there not pinned onto the mm. pin and i was like okay 
<laughs> yeah, well, that's the, a deep breath. Th- those are like signs of either a small problem or everything's broken. Yes, and then put that thing on in two seconds, you know, and, and then it was spinning and then it was firing up and then we threw some coffee in there and Hayden had to definitely do a little uh, learning curve mm-hmm. from going from the three kilo mill city and I was really hoping that this 7.5 would double our capacity, but based on the year and and the infrared roasting structure, although they say it can do a lot more, it really doesn't. So that sucks because we're kind of already past the point of that being super convenient for us. We really should probably have like a 12K. Yeah. We spend a lot of time roasting coffee. Yeah. When three pounds at a time, man, <laughs> we sell like hundreds of pounds. I mean, not as much as you guys. That but hurts like, my heart. Yeah. And then <laughs> we got friends over at Duluth and they got their like, what is it? Us. Uh, 50 kilo machine or something crazy and they can roast they just oh my gosh one bag we can go half a bag at a time exactly we can go there and roast enough coffee in one day for what we end up spending like hundreds of hours on in a month (laughs) what is the uh ultimate it's not it sounds like uh this warehouse facility is kind of what you're circling around it was something that's always kind of been in the back of your mind even before you had the warehouse space do you have a kind of like a vision obviously you kind of referenced the spring that you might be doing something this might be too early to talk about it but no. do you have a kind of a vision for what you want that to be at yeah. uh, that entire warehouse space yeah um i want it to be a party <laughs> <laughs> uh no i yeah it's cool because there's uh it's in a kind of offbeat path and it's not by a bunch of residential stuff. Granted, there is residential right by there. It would make a great little coffee shop in the morning. It would definitely pay for its rent, which is really cool. And that area is coming right up. It's right by Ladonia and Royal Foundry. Oh, and yeah. they just put up a business center and they're putting up affordable um, artist lofts. And like, this is all stuff we didn't know about. Like, it just happened. It's like, oh, cool. Um, so that's that's cool. But then, yeah, we got this, we got this building and this whole property lot. And so we're going to, we, we do so much too that it's overwhelming. Cause it's like, Oh, we could do all this here. But then it's like, Oh, well we still have to like use the warehouse. Cause like we're already like at Mac, there's boxes of shirts everywhere. There's, you know, our office, there's the roasting, there's the cold brew. It's like, there's not any room anymore in our warehouse. But, um, ideally we want that place to function as a bar in the evening. So we'll bring, we'll kind of build out a kitchen there hopefully so that we can, um, kind of use it as a commissary even for our shop Mm. to reduce some of the weight that we're carrying in that little space um and then that would offer us to be able to have the commissary for our truck which would then allow us to do mobile events including booze with the truck um and coffee obviously and then since it's a standalone building we would love to throw parties when that's a thing again and have live music and have fun get-togethers and just do all sorts of the misfit things that we've always wanted to do but we can't because our neighbor's on Lindale get real mad upstairs. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And I've, I've always said like the best way to get people into coffee is like trick them to trying great coffee. Yes. The, there aren't many people that you just do an event where you go come taste coffee and people get really excited. There's, there's a small group of niche coffee drinkers that will get excited about that. And you've probably seen it. Latte or throwdowns. It's the same group of people yes. at every single yes. coffee event and you're not introducing anybody new to it. And that was part of why we did the tasting tour rooms. Like I want to introduce people to it in a way that's like almost sneaky that 
this is just a good time. By the way, we're going to educate you and you're going to drink this coffee while you're here. Totally. <laughs> so that's like the absolute best way to get people into it. And I think it's such an awesome approach to have this whole f- fun program really centered around the coffee program and everything kind of revolves around and everything you're doing. Yeah. It. Uh, I'll wrap up the episode here, but I am curious uh, because you do so much when someone asks you like, what is the core of misfit? Like what, what is misfit coffee to you? Or even at this point is, do you even say misfit coffee or is it just misfit? How do you kind of explain to someone in a short one sentence elevator, like elevator pitch? Like what is misfit? Oh man, I should have prepared for that one. You always ask that. Um, (laughs) What? That's such a, it's evolving. That's for sure. No, um, misfit is, is a place where I think it's a really awesome balance of creativity and human interaction. um, And, and just genuine care for, people and products and it does there's like no limit to what we are willing to do or not willing to do um or who we want to be friends with or work with except for bad people hopefully (laughs) um (laughs) but like we're i'd like to think we're just kind of go-getters and we have this attitude of like oh we can we can do that or we can do that differently if we want to and we can try we have something coming out next week that's just going to people are like what the hell guys like really um you think hot sauces i can't wait to try it by the way i want to try the hot sauce we yeah. got a we got a cologne coming out <laughs> and a perfume made with co- made out of coffee so this is we're recording this on the what is it 16th today of december so yeah. this will probably come out a few weeks from yeah. now so okay. th- this will be available this will be available yeah so keep yeah. an eye out for this big cologne. see but this is that's the type of stuff i love because well what's the scent well, so we make this product called Whiskey Odo, uh-huh. and it has uh, yakwood in it. And uh, even just last night, yakwood, uh, yakwood, yeah. What's that? It's like a it's like a root that's just super fragrant, almost in the scent of um. Then when you think of like, oh, what do you call it? Patchouli, that okay. kind of nat or sandalwoody. You know, it's kind of in can't that just scent. say yakwood. Yeah. <laughs> like, what is I'm, okay? I'm in. I'm in. So okay, so we make this the Whiskey Odo, which is a whiskey inspired Japanese slow drip. Uh, oh, Kyoto. Oh, yep. okay. And we put all these botanicals in it and herbs and corn water, and that's one of the ingredients. And whenever I'm working with that product or washing the dishes for it, the oil from that yakwood um, lingers really heavily. So every time that's made, I'd go home and I'd be like, man, this smells real good. Like, I I like how I smell. And I was, <laughs> I was like, I kept telling Hayden, I was like, we should make a cologne out of this. Like, we should really do it. And like one day I came into work, he's like, guess what I started? I was like, what? He's like, the cologne. So that is uh, almost done now, and it's got a bunch of herbs in it and, and oils and, and uh, ingredients and coffee. We use that coffee, that uh-huh. you know, that second round of what we would throw away for it. And then we have another more uh, – that one's on the more natural masculine side, mm-hmm. and the other one is going to be on the more feminine side. Um, still bo- goes both ways actually really well. And the other one is like cascara – uh, Costa Rica uh, natural process green beans so that like fermentation like scent actually like carries through uh, and then um, like rose vanilla some other things in there I so dig it, man. yeah they're gonna come in spray bottles and rollers and like we wanted them to be ready a little sooner but we've been so busy with so much stuff but like you know it'll be a cheap comparatively to any fragrance you buy but like our big thing too is like we love focusing on scent people forget how important scent is when you're tasting things and how much of your taste is your scent and um people have always known us to like have these spray bottles and spray all of our drinks yeah. and always add aromas to things 
And so it just made sense. I was like, this is cool. Even I, if the, nobody it totally buys it, it's makes cool. sense to me. Because the, so the hot sauce was something for us that people are like, what? Like That what? makes sense to me, though. I've had coffee on steak with dark chocolate, right. and it's so good. Well, and then it, ultimately, what, like, folly, I go, we just care about things that taste great. Mm-hmm. And, like, and so a cologne might seem outlandish, but when you go, it makes sense. Like, aroma is such an important part of tasting. And if what you're doing is all focused around food or beverage, this is just, like, a half step away from food or beverage. And it's kind of a big part of it. Yep. And I have seen the way you spray your drinks, like, the way you do at, uh, like, upscale cocktail bars. It's something that you generally only see when you're paying $18 for a cocktail is that final miss to really just give that final aromatic punch right before you take that first sip. I love that idea. Um, I'll get you some. For yeah, sure. we'll, we'll do a trade then. All hot right. sauce lands next week, so I'll bring over some hot All sauce right. and we'll do a, we'll do yeah, a full trade. Look at the Maverick and uh, the Deviant. <laughs> the Maverick is the the whiskey one and the deviant is the rose oh my god i love that so much that's so good um yeah i just really it's funny because the first time i learned about your age i was like wait what like (laughs) like, how is he where he's at with his age and it makes so much more sense you've been working since you were 13 i mean you've got 10 plus years of work under your belt in the food service industry uh, all the way from like something like a and w which still there's customer service and everything involved in that to all your experience in coffee and then i think the last piece that I don't think is a secret to anybody in the coffee industry or anybody that follows Misfit is just the hustle. Like, just, I think you and I have the similar thing of like, people go, oh my God, you work so much. You must be getting burned out. You must hate it. Like, and you're like, I, I prefer it. Like, I actually love working this yeah. much. And if I had a choice, I'd probably work on more things if I was given yeah. opportunities. And uh, uh, that that is an X factor that a lot of people that their work makes them feel like they are getting burnt out. They are getting overworked versus the like wanting to work all the way back from the time you work. So I'm excited to see the cologne. Uh, I'm hoping things can get back on track normally and see the the warehouse space. I'm really excited to go yeah, out and see that. that neighborhood, shoot me a text. Turn, turn that check it out. Turn that into a coffee party and really get this thing popping. Yep. Uh, thanks for coming in. I appreciate you taking I the time. Appreciate you having me here and asking a bunch of good questions and uh, being able to share a little bit of the story. It's a it's a fun, never ending one. So it seems <laughs> it's killer. So I'll I'll plug your uh, your Instagram is just at misfit coffee at misfit coffee i'll plug the new cologne the website <laughs> i'll have everything in the show notes so everybody can find that and cool. uh I'm, I'm excited to see the public reaction to the new misfit line of cologne yeah. but here's the other thing i love about doing stuff that people would just never expect a coffee company to do is that they want to talk about it yeah i obviously love releasing new coffees it's the core of my passion it's the core of what folly is but the hot sauce more people are asking me about that right now than they are about our our holiday blend release, you know, because it's expected versus the unexpected where you go, let's say the cologne doesn't even like take off like it could. It's still going to get people talking and focusing on your brand about what you're doing. And it's like, it's it's so fun in that way. And then we'll just like run around spraying people with it. (laughs) Like if we have excess, we're just going to like spritz you, spritz you. And they're like, Oh, actually then they will be like me. They'll be at home. They're like, I smell pretty good right now. It'll be like I the, might want that. It'll be like the department store where you're walking through and you just get like assaulted by the yeah. <laughs> like, do you send for you and you're like no. And you just do every person that walks into the shop just like hit them with that and they're just like what the hell's going on? Put it in the hand sanitizer. Actually, I have a friend making a lotion out of it too. 
Um, and we're, yeah, just to test it out in different formats. Yeah. So it's just an interesting concept. It's, why not? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and the, the cool thing about it is, why not? yeah, it doesn't like it's, it's from something you're already doing. And that's, that's the hot sauce was the same way that the way we were able to make is we found a co-packer. So yep. that didn't add stresses onto the business. And we already had the ability to make large, ba- large batches of coffee with Filtera. And yep. so I was like, this isn't going to add too much actual work. And it's the same, sounds like it's the same with the clone. These are things you're already making, you're already yeah. producing, and it's like a byproduct. Yep. So a really cool way. It's like a sustainable way to make a new product, which sure. also probably plays into the pricing of how you're able to not have to be. Um, you should definitely, definitely, definitely make like I watch cologne commercials and go, who the hell is making these? These, oh, are, these are terrible. That would be good. Yeah. These are absolutely awful. It's like, you know, some super handsome guy exactly, in, yep. a, in a Speedo and you're watching. I'm and you're so like, ready to be in a Speedo. And, I might not be that handsome. Or and, handsome. <laughs> and you go, what is this a commercial for? And then it's just like some quick romance happens. And then all of a sudden it's just like, Giorgio, Giorgio Armani. And you're like. I don't know what it smells like. I don't know what the price point is. You should definitely do a commercial like that in the next week and, that, re- and release it that way. I think that uh, I might have to take you up on that offer. I, I, uh, that you, people, ta- you take that all and right, run with I'll, it. I'll take that idea. Um, <laughs> I, I have... I have the speedo. I have, and you need like corny, yeah. You need like corny string music in the back, like some sort of slow motion, some the sort waves. of. Like, I'll go by like the lake too. There needs to be like a little bit of the waves, waves in the background, for sure, and then just waves. like, um, um, no, like no words, just lots of really expressive facial, you know, f- facial expressions that are very passionate, and then the final shot of the bottle, and that should be your release video, Maverick. <laughs> Awesome. That's a perfect place to end. I will end it like I do every other episode and say have a great, have a good day. (laughs) Ciao.